Glad you're here. Welcome to a Church in the Valley um, Sunday. Don't fight Monday. Tomorrow is coming. And we're talking about the sweet life. And the reason I showed that is oftentimes when we think of the life that we want and the sweet life or the good life, uh, it usually doesn't involve having to spend so much of our time at work. Uh, the weekend is usually our, our favorite time of the week. And that idea on a Sunday, as you kind of get into Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, is, is there's, there's Monday coming. And like the sweet life that we've had this weekend is all of a sudden uh, going to end. So today we're going to be talking a lot about and focusing on our work and our responsibilities. Because we actually spend most of our time in our work and with our responsibilities. And so oftentimes when we think of life being good, positive, fun, rewarding. Uh, It's usually the time that we spend outside of work, not actually in it. But if you look at time and actually how much we spend at work or how much we spend at home with responsibilities, with chores, taking care of all the things that we have to do, it's actually the majority of our time. And so today we're talking about how do we actually experience the sweet life in the middle of our work, not just outside of our work. And there's a a chart up here that shows uh, what we do kind of in our average uh, schedule. And you see that that green slice right there. That is our work. And I'm not a great like pie chart reader, but I know that that's the biggest chunk. And the next biggest is sleeping. Now, sweet life and sleeping like I can get a You know, that makes sense to me. But sweet life and working That's where, at least for me personally, sometimes, again, it's hard to deal with all that green because it's like, how do I experience the blessings of life if I'm always having to wake up and go to work, fight traffic to get there, fold laundry, take care of kids, all the different responsibilities that we have. But if this is true, if we spend so much time in that green quadrant working and related activities, uh, we really need to learn how to make the most of that time. Because, again, it's the majority of what we do. And that's not to depress you. That's just life. And the reason it sometimes feels like the weekends are so short and work is so long is because that's actually true. That's how life is. And so the goal for today is how do we experience the sweet life, not by detouring around work, but how do we experience it in the middle of work, at work, with our responsibilities? How do we make the most uh, of that? Um, I want to show another Another video, another clip, and it's, it's a commercial. And as you watch this commercial, I want you to think, what are they trying to appeal to? Any commercial that you watch, they're trying to sell you something. The first one was Monster saying, like, Monday's coming, the sun's going to come up, and you can't fight it. So get a job. Your calling is calling. But if you're looking at Monster, you're like, I'm just waiting for the phone to ring. Okay? This next commercial, I want you to think, what are they appealing to? Let, let's watch that together.
was pretty awesome. How different would the commercial look if he's driving to work and it's quiet? And then all of a sudden, as he walks into work, the music comes and he's tightening his tie. And then he sits down and he's answering calls. And, and he's just like. And he's high fiving, right? Like it doesn't have the same effect. The music starts as he leaves. Do you know what the name of that commercial is? Freedom. Freedom. I just need my goggles, my snowboard. Freedom. And the music just, there's no, there's no talking, but you get exactly what they're saying. You want freedom. Leave work. And on your way out, stiff arm somebody. Right? And then all of a sudden the car lifts. You're like, what? My Corolla does that, but I have to actually push on it. You know, like, but it gets you. And, and it's just, it, you know, subtly saying like, you want freedom. Don't answer the phone. You want freedom. Don't recognize your coworkers. You want freedom. You have to leave and you hope you live close to the mountains. You just drive there. And for most of us, the reason they do that is that appeals to us. We want freedom and it means I just got to leave. I got to get out of here. I can't handle all the weight of responsibility that's on me. They appeal to that. They spend millions of dollars appealing to that, which makes sense to all of us. Decided we want freedom. Let's bail. But actually, that's not where the sweet life comes from. Because what they don't show is like Monday when the sun comes back up and he goes back to the office. Like what would the part, you know, part two look like when he goes to the, his office and someone else is sitting there? Is that, hey, that, that's my seat. Like, no, it's not. Remember how you went snowboarding on Friday? You no longer have a job. Freedom. Right? That's like our world, right? But like that doesn't sell cars. But that's life. But that's, that's how life works. So how do we experience the sweet life in the middle of the work? How do we experience freedom when we actually handle our responsibilities? Not by running from them. And so I want to kind of begin with this major point this morning. Because this is just what resonates with a lot of us related to our work and responsibilities. If we are living for time off or escaping or freedom, if we're living for time off but spend most of our time at work, which we do, then life feels empty. We don't experience the sweet life if all we're living for is time off. And you may not have a full-time job. You may be a student. You may be a stay-at-home mom. You may be looking for work. But there's something in us that we just live for the time when we can just break free of all the things we have to do. But if we're living for that, we actually come up empty. And we don't experience the blessing God has because mine and your life is a lot of work. And there's a lot of work that we have to do. There's a lot of responsibilities, lots of chores, lots of studying that we have to do. There are all sorts of things that we have in our life. And so we have to learn Again, how do we make the most of our schedule that's filled with work instead of fleeing from that which fills most of our time? So I want to ask some questions related to work, which kind of get us started on how to experience the sweet life. So the first question is, if this kind of part of all of us to get away from work, it begs the question, like, why, why is there work? Like, why do, we, why do we have to do it? Why can't our life just be full of freedom? Actually, you find that God himself established work. He is a worker. 
uh, in Genesis 2.2, 2, uh, we get like the details of the creation account. And this is what it says. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So we get this like emphasis again. He had work and he did it. And then he rested from the work that he did. He was responsible. He created the world. We're here because of what God did. We experienced this world because he worked. He was faithful to his work and it was completed. So God himself is a worker. That's why we have work. There's responsibilities each of us has. There's an order to the world. There's cause and effect. This happens because God is a God of cause and effect. He causes things to happen and things impact because of it. And work is one of them. So we all know that there's work. Second question is, why is work hard? You ever ask that? Usually it comes out like, why? Why is this so hard? Or why is this situation so complex? And that actually is kind of a step beyond the creation. Because God made you and he made me. And what happened in the beginning of time with the first man and woman is they actually decided that they wanted to go their own way. They wanted to live independently of God. He created the world in which they lived and he gave them some boundaries. They blew past the boundaries to do what they wanted to do. That's where sin entered. They ate off the tree that he said you could not. And from that point in time, when sin entered the world, work had a new layer of cursing to it, a new layer of frustration, a new layer of of just difficulty that was not there before. So now work is difficult because of sin and because of the rebellion of humans. And this is just a reality of life. It exists and it's hard. And we know that there's a reason we can all relate to what Mondays are, because we all have that feeling of dread. We'll have that kind of, oh, it starts again. It starts again. And we're kind of caught in that cycle. So work exists and it's hard and it's hard because of the decisions that humans make to live independently from God. Now, because of this, there's frustration. You guys heard of Murphy's Law. I can relate to to Murphy here. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong. I mean, that's just kind of feels good when you that's right. It's going to get messed up. It's going to be messed up right now, right when I need to go well. Have you ever kind of caught yourself doing that? You enter a situation and you think of the worst thing that could happen and then it happens. And what do you say? Fakers. I knew it. And this is what work can feel like. This is what responsibilities feel like. As soon as everything kind of gets in order, something happens and just it's blown up. It gets messed up. Now, this saying represents a frustration that we all experience. Now, it's actually not this bad because most of the time work can be frustrating. But actually, a lot of times didn't go as bad as it could have. Because even though we rebelled, God is still gracious. And so there's things that God is still holding in order that they're still not just collapsing around us. There's still things that are happening because God's goodness and his grace and his desire to have a relationship with us. So not everything that could go wrong will go wrong. But there is enough that can go wrong that work is a struggle for us. So I was just thinking through, like in my own life, the things that frustrate me related to work. Have you ever had a meeting and you're preparing and you need to print something and then the copier all of a sudden doesn't work? You ever had that? I've had that. 
I've had papers that I've worked on in college and I've spent hours and pages, hours and pages. And then somehow I saved it wrong and I open it up and it's like some foreign code that I have no idea where it is. You ever seen that? And it's like your words are now boxes, like a little sunflower waving at you. That's when work's frustrating. You're like, I just spent all this time and my paper is gone. Or maybe, you know, you're at home with the kids and you have like all these important things you got to do. Okay, I got to do laundry. Got to make sure the bills get paid. I got to make sure that everything in the yard gets done and all this, the work and everything in order. And I've got this one up time. And then like one of your kids gets sick. And it could be so frustrating. And you can get into this. It figures. Of course it figures. Or you're working on a project with a group of people at work. And if you just got on the same page, you could get it done before the deadline. But somebody doesn't understand what you're trying to do or somebody's just not wanting to contribute. And you're just working with this group of people and you're thinking, this is not going to work. This is not going to happen. We're not going to get done what we need to. And frustration builds, frustration builds. We all know this. We want the freedom, but it doesn't exist. We want things to go smoothly, but it seems like there's obstacle after obstacle. And this leads us to this, this thing that goes right against the sweet life. Because we face these things, we think there's no way that handling my responsibilities can lead to the sweet life. And so we, we have common approaches. And see if you can relate to this. In your work, have you ever been just discouraged? Whether you're a student and you're just like, I want to drop out of this class. And you know what? I may just drop out of school altogether. What are you going to do? I don't know. You ever had that feeling? Some of you are like, I have a letter right now to my counselor. Or have you ever just had the thought, like, I'm going to quit. I'm going to quit. Monday I'm going to go to my boss and say, I quit. You ever had that thought? Have you ever had that thought, like, you don't know how it's going to work, but you just want to go on vacation? You just want to drive somewhere and just escape it all? And you're like, I'm not even going to pack a bag just going to go in my Audi. Finally had an Audi. Right? Work is discouraging. And we just think, discouragement, can't handle it. I'm just, I'm just going to bail out. That's common. Uh, you ever been bored with your work? Have you ever been bored doing laundry? That's work. It's a responsibility we have. I do not get fired up over laundry. In fact, the thing that fires me up is where do socks go? I can't find matching socks. I said that and you guys all act like you've never had that problem. You didn't know dryers eat socks? It's frustrating. It's boring. I don't like chores. I just don't like them. So we can get discouraged. We can get bored or overwhelmed. Overwhelmed with the feeling of like, I can't, I can't handle it can't do this anymore. And we kind of tell ourselves these things. Have you ever gotten to that point where you're not bored, you're on the other side where you just, I can't handle it. I can't do it. And you kind of give this in your head, I can't do this anymore. And like, think the blood's starting to boil. I've experienced this. This is what work does. And so as we respond to just that being overwhelmed, the discouragement, the boredom, wherever we are, again, we think the sweet life doesn't kind of 
flow. The trail doesn't go through work. It's got to go around somehow. What tends to happen is because of these experiences that we have that are common, the frustrations that I think we can all relate to in one way or another, it actually leads us to place a low value on work. What I want to tell you this morning is because God established work and because he himself is a worker, work actually has a tremendous value. It's very important. Not just the idea of it, but how you handle your responsibilities before God is crucial. He is watching you. He's not just watching what you do. He's watching your attitude towards it. He's also watching the way that you treat the people in which you have the work and responsibilities with. It all matters. We're living our life before God who's watching. And it has a tremendous value. But as we experience the frustration and the discouragement, we tend to take that which has high value and and we place a very low value on it. And so I want to just kind of introduce some scriptures that, that talk about what happens when we replace the high value that God has placed on work and actually put a low value on it. You could see it on the screen. So if we place a low value on work, here's some things that happen. We hunt for a trouble-free job. If you have a frustrating job right now and a job you don't, do not like, the best thing ever it seems that you think about is like, I just got to get a new job. That's the problem. In fact, I need a job that doesn't have any problems with it. You ever thought that? Like you picture your job and like, I want to go to job. And when I walk in the office, people slow clap. That's sometimes this view we have when we walk in. As we get closer, they're like, you can do it, Alex. He's here. We're so glad he's here. Right? That's all we want, just a slow clap on the way to work. Try looking at that on my, it doesn't exist. But we look for a trouble-free job. Ecclesiastes 2. Ecclesiastes is written, and it's written by Solomon, and he's making observations. He makes a lot of observations about work. And so if you've never read the book of Ecclesiastes, it can be kind of depressing. Because he's making these observations, but he's just saying, there's people that are spinning their wheels trying to figure out how life works. And he actually talks a lot about people want this sweet life, but they have to work a lot. And so it feels like they just spend their life doing that. And so where's the sweetness? And so he asks a lot of like philosophical questions. This is what he says. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. This is the idea that you work hard. And it just doesn't seem how hard you work. It feels like you can't make progress. And then what happens is you're done and you've clocked out and you go home. And you know what you're still thinking about? Work. Guys relate to that? At work, you're trying to make progress. It feels like you can't make progress enough. At home, you want to enjoy being home, but all you're thinking about is work. This also is a vanity. This is frustrating. This is stressful. This is an observation he's made. He was a very wise man. He had the opportunity and privilege to see so many people relate to this. And so what he's saying is, if you spend your time trying to get away from frustration... If you spend your time trying to get 
to this perfect scenario, it does not exist. So if you're looking for the trouble-free job, it actually is not there. But if you spend your time looking at it and you really think, I'm going to find it, you actually end up resenting the job that you have right now. That's just a fact of life. We know that. If we're looking for something that's trouble-free, we're actually resenting what we have to do now because it's not trouble-free. And so we don't put our heart into it. We actually don't work hard. It makes us miserable. So that's the first thing. The second is you keep searching for the perfect job and you never actually find one. And then you spend your life just spinning your wheels trying to find something that doesn't exist. That's actually a lack of traction. You don't move forward. You're stalled out. Your wheels are just spinning because you're looking for something that's not real. So this is a warning against that. It's really somber, isn't it? When you read a verse, it's like your work's going to be hard and it's going to be frustrating. That's it. You guys ready to be done? Like, you want to pray? Should we go now? Or There's more, but that's part of it. There's no trouble free. The second thing that leads to is we just we kind of get lazy. What happens over time is if we're looking for something that doesn't exist, we actually tend to check out. Because we want something, it's not coming. And in our mind, a lot of times it's directed at God or it's directed at other people. We think, God, you have to get me this by a certain amount of time. We're not saying it specifically. We have an idea. I want you to come through in a certain amount of time. If you don't, I'm going to check out. I'm not going to pursue you. I'm going to pull back from people. And I'm just going to be really upset and frustrated. Check out what this, this says about laziness. Proverbs 24. This is a description of someone who's checked out. I pass by the field of a sluggard. This is a lazy person. By the vineyard of a man lacking sense. And behold, it was all overgrown with thorns. The ground was covered with nettles and its stone wall was broken down. Then I saw and considered it. I looked and received instruction. So he's saying, I looked at this yard. It was completely in disarray. It wasn't taken care of. There was a lazy person that's yard it was. Okay. I looked and I received instruction. I'm learning from this, he says. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. The picture he's saying of checking out is you just just want a little rest. I kind of just want to relax a little bit. And I just want to kind of fold my hands. Have you ever tried to get a nap at work? Uh-oh, things got real. And you've thought like the best pose to do it, like if I hold my phone up, just hold the pen. Or students, you guys do this like in a lecture, like, okay. I put the hand up. It kind of looks like I'm like thinking. And if I hold the pen up, it looks like I'm writing. And if I look down at the pen, it looks like I'm reading. And all of a sudden, you're like, you fall asleep. You look like Picasso. You just have pen marks. There. Whoa. You guys ever done that? I haven't either. Like, I have never. Right? But at work, you kind of, like, we can do that. At school, we can do that. At home, like, we have stuff to do. And it's just, I just want to just sit. I just want to sit and relax. And we need time off. We do need time to, to relax and And kind of recharge. It's not saying that. But the idea is when faced with things we have to do, most of the time in us, we just kind of want to fold the hands and check out. 
And then see what happens. Poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Like there will be no satisfaction. You're going to be taken hostage by wanting and not having. And success and blessing will not come. Again, you're going to spin your wheels. So if we're lazy or we look for a trouble-free job, it's, it's low value. And then the third is, which I can relate to as well, is, is we tend to live for time off. If we place a low value on work, then there's a high value on not working. There's a high value on vacations. Let's face it. There's times in life where we are just living for the time when we can have a break. Whether it's at the weekend, whether it's a vacation, whether it's a change of pace, a change of scenery. This is very appealing to us. Listen to this parable in Luke chapter 12. And he told them a parable saying, this is Jesus, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. And it goes on in verse 20. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself. And is not rich toward God. So the sweet life comes in the time off, but the ultimate sweet life could be retirement. That's what this is kind of talking about. This thing of you lay up enough so you just can enjoy life without work. I don't know how close some of you are to retirement. There's a lot of appeal, I'm sure. The closer you get, it's like, okay, eat, drink, and be merry. Isn't that one of like the greatest phrases? It's like, you get to eat, you get to drink, and you get to be happy. That seems like the sweet life. But the response at the end of the parable is, you may not get there. Do you know that? None of us know if we're going to get to the point where we're going to actually experience life without working. We don't know the future. So if you're living for the future and living for a time when life is going to calm down and become less stressful... And you'll have more than you have now. And you have more fun than you have now. If that's what you're living for. And you never get to it. Your life is not complete. So there's got to be more. Than living for time off. There's got to be more than just folding our hands and checking out. And this is the bottom line of, of what the scriptures say. If there is a high value on work then God actually made it for us to enjoy. Now, bear with me here. Because again, everything in us, we kind of fight against that. But God made work for me and you to enjoy. That's not a typo. That's actually real. The sweet life comes as we enjoy our responsibilities and enjoy our work. Is it all going to be great? Does it mean like all of a sudden you snap your fingers and you're going to just think laundry is the best thing ever? Like you're going to wake up and be like, it's laundry day. No, because our work is still cursed. It's still frustrating. It's still stressful. We still have to fight that. We still have to fight the attitudes. We still have to fight checking out. But what we fight too is to actually enjoy what God's given us to do. Whether it's chores at home or projects at work, we can enjoy it because God has given it to us. Ecclesiastes 5, here's some more 
uh, conclusions from Solomon. He says, Behold, what have I seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment. Now listen to this. In all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. Okay, stop right there. It's going to be really hard to see it coming. You want to keep reading the slide. Don't. Okay. Act like it's not there. All right. Behold, what I seem to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment. That word in all the toil. There's a role that we have before God as we choose to follow him is that we find the enjoyment and the joy in what we're supposed to be doing. Not around it. Not despite it, but in it. In all the toil. Which one tools under the sun, the few days, few days of his life that God has given him for this is his lot. This is your life. You have work. But we need to enjoy the work that we have. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. This is the gift of God. The sweet life and enjoyment in life is a gift from God. He gives it. We can't manufacture it ourselves. That's this whole series. We can't design our own sweet life and then force our way to get it. It actually flows from the hand of God. It is a gift. And that's based on his goodness and grace to us. That's why all that could go wrong can't go wrong. Because God is still good to us. And he still wants us to enjoy life in the midst of all that we have to do. Now, that word toil there is important. And it comes from the word amal, which is toil, wearing effort, hence worry, whether of body or mind. And the root is to work severely and with irksomeness. I don't use the word irksomeness much, but the idea is annoyance. So what's great is like all of a sudden work doesn't shift and it's like, You become a Christian and work now is the best thing ever. No, work is still work. Toil is still toil. But enjoyment can be found in that. And the way it comes is in the middle of work, as we're facing the frustration, as we face the irksomeness, what God wants us to do is not find our meaning and enjoyment in work. He wants us to find our meaning and enjoyment in him. That's the gift that as we walk with God and we want to handle our responsibilities in front of him and before him, we do it with his help. And he is the one that we work for. He's the one that in the middle of the toil, we don't check out because he's given it to us. This work has flowed from his hand. Responsibilities we have. He knows we have. So work is Weary work is frustrating, but that frustration should remind us that we need him and we need his help. So I want to kind of close out with how do we experience the sweet life in the middle of this toil? Because we're all in that. So here's some three things that, that you can just choose one of these. You could choose all three or two of them, but kind of think through what is it that you need to do as you're facing your responsibilities, whether it's as a student whether it's at your house and the chores, whether it's at work, 
it's projects, even if it's looking for a job, how do you actually experience this sweet life in our work? The first is pray and thank God for providing it. It is responsibilities. All of us have responsibilities. Every single one of us. So one of the key things God wants us to do is thank him for providing the responsibilities that we have. Not to kind of run away from them, but actually thank him for them. And in 1 Thessalonians 5, it's referenced there on your handout. I'm not going to go through the scriptures, but the idea is you, you, you thank God for everything. That includes the chores. That includes work. And that is, like Ecclesiastes said, like Solomon, to accept your lot. God, you have given me this to do. Thank you for giving this to me. I want to handle it in a way that will make you happy. So you thank God for providing it. The second is to choose an upbeat attitude. This is the idea that that God has not forgotten you. And you have to fight that just urge to check out or to bail or to just kind of cut and isolate yourself from people. The upbeat attitudes I'm going to push through knowing this is from God's hand. There's actually nothing better than this is what the verse in Ecclesiastes is saying in 322. There's nothing better than to rejoice in the work. Like when you can get to the place where you see that God has given you what you have to do, whatever's on your plate has flowed from his hand. When you get to the point where you accept that and you handle that and you work hard with that, there's this joy that comes that can't be found or fabricated any other way because you're doing what God has called you to do, to handle your responsibilities faithfully. And then the third is aim to please God who gave you the work to do. Your work is bigger than just your boss or the company that you work for. Your ultimate boss is God himself. And he's watching. And as a worker, as he's established work, we want to handle that in a way that actually honors him. So I want to just close out personally for just some things that kind of I take these three things. And this is how I like try to think about it in my own life. This is what I do when I face dread. Dread is that idea of I don't really want to be doing what I'm doing right now. That's usually where dread comes. It's just you don't want to face it. So if you're in a place right now where you have some dread or some frustration or some stress, here's some things that kind of how how I would go about a situation in which I don't want to do something that I have on my plate. First thing, I get to the place where I thank God for my work. I just thank him for what I have to do. God, thank you for this responsibility that I have. So you thank him. Second is you, you set your heart to do it with all your might. I am going to work as hard as I can with this chore, responsibility, project, assignment, paper, whatever it is, I'm going to handle it with all my might. I'm going to work hard. And I want to please you with it. Third, you cry out for help when you're frustrated. God, I thank you for the work. And I ask you right now to help me because I am so frustrated. I just want to quit. I just want to just forget about it. And I want to check out. So you have to just ask him for help. You ask him for help. When you get irked, annoyed, you ask him for help. In the moment. Fourth, remember that what you do, how you handle your responsibility, impacts others around you. Each of us, as we handle our responsibilities... It blesses those around us. 
as we don't handle our responsibilities, it does not bless those around us. That's the cause and effect world in which we live. When you don't do your dishes, it actually impacts your roommates. When you don't mow your lawn, it impacts your neighbors. If you don't do your laundry, that impacts everybody. Right? So we don't handle our responsibilities. We're all impacted. And then this is like the last place that I get to that is sometimes hard. Remember that God is using this frustration and this stress to grow me. If God is sovereign, meaning he's, he's in control of everything, then what I'm facing right now, he's allowed me to face. So as I'm facing it, he wants me to actually grow in it. And so I just get to a point where I'm, God, I'm facing this, and I'm overwhelmed, and I'm stressed, and I'm frustrated. But you actually have allowed this to happen right now. Teach me what I need to learn. Help me to grow how I need to grow in this situation. So if you kind of take those and try to apply that to your situation, God will use that. And you can begin to rejoice and find joy in the toil. So I I encourage you to do that. I'm going to wrap up and I'm encouraging you to take some next steps today like I do every week and what we do here at Church and Valley. We want to encourage you to just live this out. And so it might be just kind of taking some of those thoughts and what I've already shared and putting that into your own situation. Uh, There's some next steps on your connection card, too. And if you haven't finished filling that out, go ahead and do that as the band comes up. They're going to lead us in another song and we're going to receive our offering. But on the the connection card on the backside are some next steps. The first is for the first time I accept Jesus as my savior and will follow him as Lord. If all this talking about kind of God giving work and trying to find joy in him in the middle of this, if you've actually never committed your life to follow Christ and you're trying to figure out how you can find joy in this, but you seem disconnected from God and you don't know what that's all about. If you check that, we'll send you some information and we'll follow up with you if you're interested in learning what it means to follow Jesus. And the second is then ask God to help me identify and change any bad attitudes that I may have toward my work. And then the third is a blank if there's just something else that comes to mind. So as I pray, if you can pray with me and then finish filling that out, as the offering baskets come by, you can drop that in there. Let's pray together. Father, we, we want to be a group of people who don't run away from our responsibilities. But we want to be people that thank you for what you've given us and we want to handle what we have in a way that will honor you. So God, I pray that as we face frustration, as we face worry and stress, help that to cause us to run to you to seek you and not just try to do things on our own strength. So God, may that be just a reminder that that can go off on our head and we realize we need your help. So I pray you'll do that. And this week, even as we wake up tomorrow, I pray that we'll wake up knowing that how we handle our responsibilities in our life has an opportunity to please you and actually bless those around us. So I pray that you'll make that happen in the name of Jesus. Amen.